0: So Money, Episode 327, Kylie Carr.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: Reading opportunities by starting your own business is one of the most empowering things you can do for yourself. However, it can also be overwhelming at times. The secret to getting more done isn't about finding more time, but rather finding the right tools. Our friends at FreshBooks couldn't agree more. FreshBooks has created an amazingly simple invoicing tool designed for small business owners who need to focus on their work, not their paperwork. Oh, and invoicing is only the start. FreshBooks lets you know in Instantly, When your client has viewed your invoice and even imports your expenses directly from your business checking account, get ready to say goodbye to searching for receipts when it comes to tax time. If you do have questions, just contact the award-winning FreshBooks support team and get help from real live humans. No phone tree, no let me escalate that, just helpful service at the drop of a hat. To try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, just go to freshbooks.com forward slash so money and enter so money in the how did you hear about us section. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for coming back. It's the new year, and today we have a guest focused on helping you look, lead, and live your best life. Kylie Carr is here. She is a sought-after speaker who advises C-level executives and successful entrepreneurs, particularly women, on their image, presence, and personal brand, and how to be a compelling force within their organization, how to really stand out. Kylie has recently created the Power Presence Toolkit where she walks you through four steps to create a stronger personal brand. We're going to talk through some of that on the show. She's also the host of the podcast, a very popular podcast, Beyond the Business Suit. It uncovers the secret weapons, as she says, of successful women. Kylie also holds an MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern. With Kylie, I was interested to learn because she went through this, understanding that there's more out there for you to achieve. You're at a job that you like, you don't love it, it's not fulfilling. How do you go after what it is that you actually want? How do you identify what it is that you want and make that transition? She shares her journey and lessons learned. We talk about frequent mistakes when we are trying to create our personal brand. And oh yes, the time Oprah Winfrey grabbed her breasts. Here is Kylie Carr. Kylie Carr, welcome to So Money, my friend. Happy New Year. Lots in store for you in 2016, including a little Bambino.
1: Yes, I'm so (laughs) excited to be here, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for having me on So Money.
0: How are you feeling?
1: Feeling really good. On the home stretch now. So excited for the the new little one to come.
0: Aw, well, I'm so excited for you and your husband and really impressed Kylie with the career that you've built for yourself. We were connected through a mutual friend around the time when you were thinking about leaving corporate or maybe you had just left your corporate job. You were very successful, you have an MBA, you're you could have stayed on that corporate track and probably gone on to, you know, run some companies if you if that was what you wanted to do, but you decided, you know, I'm going to take my skill set and I'm going to combine it with more of my passion and develop my brand and get out there and connect with people directly, women specifically, to help them learn how to live and lead their best lives, focusing on presence and image and personal branding. And you did it. You are doing it. You are growing. And it's like every time we connect, I talk to you over here and there. It's like always something new, always something more exciting, a new speaking engagement, a new product. Um, Take us back because I think a lot of my listeners – perhaps are in that place right now where they're working their jobs, they enjoy their work, but they know there's more out there for them and they want to develop this thing called a personal brand. How did you do it? And and, and through your story, tell us a little about what you might teach others as far as what worked for you.
1: Sure. You know, it, it was what, going back to, being even in business school, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I never knew exactly what it would look like, but I knew that I was meant to be, you know, kind of my own boss and to get out of out of corporate America, even though that was very comfortable for me. And it, it worked really well for me. I had a very successful career and I continued to climb and made some great relationships and always seemed to be promoted. However, I just was not feeling fulfilled. And I got to the point, I I really had two plunges. I Left corporate America in 2008 and had an idea of starting a company with my best friend. And Barack Obama had just been uh, elected, and I was thinking, you know what, this is the time to do it. So I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to move to New York. I was living in Dallas at the time. I'm going to start this business with my best friend who was living also in the Northeast, and we'll figure it out. Well, It's really better to have an idea clarified and solidified before you leave your job. (laughs) So so that's one piece of advice I would give people. You know, it was great. We, um, you know, I took eight months to develop an idea. And by the time we started uh, developing and we decided on what we were going to do, we actually launched a digital magazine focused on um, professional African-American women, I realized that my savings was running out and I needed to go back to corporate America. So, we continued to do that and I um had it it, had, it was more of a hobby than it was a a full-time or even a part-time position at that point in time, but I always had this desire to go back out on my own. So, fast forward to 2013, I was in a I was leading a department and leading a marketing department and doing really well in that, but I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And it was at a time when my mother was ill and I was living at home with her, taking care of her, also leading this team around the country and trying to manage that. And I just got to the point where I was thinking, you know what? I know this isn't it and my priorities right now are on my family and I think I'm going to need to take a step back and I talked to my boss about it and she said it's very interesting you say that because we were thinking about relocating you to corporate corporate headquarters in Philadelphia. I was li- living in Chicago at the time and she said, "You know, we know what's going on with your mom. We'll wait, but we, you know, if you do want to move, we'll we'll wait, but if you don't, we understand." And I said, "You know what? I don't." <laughs> and that was kind of the kick. And the push that I needed to go out on my own. Now, I left on a Friday, I remember, and the following Monday, my mother passed away. And the it was a really tough time, obviously. You know, I was very close to my mother. But the silver lining in that was that I didn't have to grieve while also working a job that I had also, you know, just wasn't into anymore. And I could spend the time to really think about what I wanted to do with my career, how I really wanted to use my career to give back and to live out my purpose. And I realized that there were so many things to help and hinder women or that helped and hindered women from advancing in their careers. A lot of those things were not talked about in classrooms. They were not talked about in performance reviews. And there were things that I was good at. And I really developed my company out of that vision. So my advice for people would be to, number one, figure out what you're going to do before you leave your job. (laughs) And number two, figure out for you, what is it that people continue to come to you for? What is it about you that really helps you thrive, that really brings you energy and excitement? And can you turn that into something that can be monetized?
0: Well speaking of monetization you have to have also a business plan you know you have to think about well how do now i just translate this into something that can be viable for myself how can i scale this so take us to that next step which is you know how you decided to bring this this intelligence of yours to the masses what are you doing to get out there because i think that's also a challenge you know everyone would love to, not everyone, but many people would say, I, I want to get more speaking engagements. I'd like to get in front of larger audiences. How do you do it when no one knows who you are? I mean, I know who you are.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs>
0: happy to make introductions for you, but you know what I mean? It's like, right. how do I get known?
1: Right. Well, the first thing is, is to to test out a theory. If you have a theory, for at least for me, <clears throat> excuse me, it was I, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure if people would pay for it. So I wanted to test out my services on people that I knew first and get feedback from them and then pitch it out. So I started to um, develop my personal branding profiles and style profiles for a few uh, friends and colleagues of mine who were in my target audience, and I did some pro bono work, and they loved it, and I was asking them, you know, are, do you love it because it's me, or do you love it because it's good, and asked for some really candid feedback, got some really great feedback, and developed my products from there. Now, something that I also did was talked about what I did. I think sometimes it's really difficult, especially for someone who has been in corporate America and has had a successful career and identity tied to your corporate persona, if you will, (laughs) to do something very different. So for me, that meant that I had to change my LinkedIn profile. I had to start talking as if. It was happening. So on social media, you know, I, I talked about what I was doing. I was not only to my Facebook page that I built around my business, but also to my friends. When I would get pro bono speaking engagements, I would talk about that. And the next thing I knew, I was getting calls and LinkedIn messages from people who I knew sometimes not very well, but we were connected loosely asking me to come to speak to their law firms, to their companies, mm-hmm. to, um, on stage at their conferences. And because I had already built up a strong reputation in general throughout my corporate career, people already trusted me. And then that turned into them recommending me to other people and me continuing to build my brand and my, my um, customer base from there.
0: This reminds me of a quote that I... Heard years ago, which I I love because it really reflects it. It personifies in some ways what you just told me. It's like every day you have to pretend like you're auditioning for your job every day, you know. So or you're going on that first interview for that job every day. In other words, come show up as if you're putting your best foot forward. You want to um, never burn bridges. You want people to see the best of you and. And that – once you get the job, people sort of forget about that. You know, they kind of go back to being, um, you know, I guess not ungrateful, but just, you know, they take for granted sometimes where they are in life. And – but you never know. One day you wake up and you go, you know what? I want to try something new. And when you want to leave, having that history of people admiring you, respecting you, knowing you do good work will come to welcome you in, in, in lucrative ways sometimes.
1: I believe that wholeheartedly. It reminds me of a story
0: of when I was looking for a job. I was in my I was sort of in transition in my mid twenties, trying to figure out my next step as a journalist. I wanted to do more broadcast and I had a drink with my friend who was at the time working at ABC. He was had a senior position there, thinking, I don't know, maybe he could help me. And I didn't I did not end up getting a job at ABC, but then he went to be on a panel the next week and met a few people in the industry and heard that this one guy who worked at thestreet.com was looking to hire someone that fit my description and so put us in touch and i was work- i was literally a staffer at thestreet.com 2 months later so putting your energy out there your dis- ideas out there even if they're not fully baked can definitely be helpful so thanks for sharing that with us cuz i love to hear that it, it is working for people
1: yes so
0: tell us about your your kit and how I actually want to hear about this too. What are some of the mistakes specifically women make as far as their presentation and their um their I suppose the way they dress even at work that you see all the time that you help women with.
1: Sure, some of the mistakes, some of the biggest mistakes that I see um are around confidence. So Women, you know we have a a we're plagued right now around confidence and a lack of confidence, so something that I see from a lot of my clients is that they are not owning their worth, and another thing we do is apologize. we apologize all the time i don't know how this happened, how this became a part of our our rearing or you know social development but women and I do this myself we will say I'm sorry as a default even when we don't do anything wrong so that that's something that I talk to to my clients about and as well as just owning your ideas and communicating confidently because if there are, if there is a man and a woman in a meeting and they're both communicating ideas, chances are the man will be about 40% sure, but he will sound 110% sure. And the woman will be maybe 40% sure, but she'll sound 30% sure.
0: Right. That's something that I read in Lean In as well, that when there's a job posting and it's got all the prerequisites or you know, what we'd like to see in this candidate. And a woman needs to feel as though she qualifies for every single description. And if it's she doesn't, true. she won't apply for the job.
1: Yes, it is It is really um, doing us a disservice. Another thing that I see quite often is that many of my clients will um, say, well, you know what, I'm going to wait to get my my wardrobe together until I lose my last twenty pounds, or lose the baby weight, you know, or I'll just wait until dot dot dot. And the thing is, when we make that first impression, we only get seven seven seconds to make a first impression. That's seven. It. Seven. And online, oh by the way, we seven. get forty milliseconds. That's it.
0: Wait, who said that? Who? Yeah. 40, what is a what is a what is a millisecond? That's like I know, right? Times forty. That's what I have to. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so oh, no. we don't get a lot of time to make a first impression. So when a client says, "Well, Kylie, I'm going to wait to do this wardrobe overhaul until I lose my 20 this last 20 pounds." Well, if they meet somebody tomorrow who's never met them, who didn't know them 20 pounds ago, mm-hmm. then they're look they're showing up not as good as they could be. So I try to coach my clients on showing up as great as you can be today versus trying to wait until, you know, someday that may never happen. Mm -hmm. Can I just mention one more? Oh yeah, please.
0: And by the way, I, I,
1: I empathize with that woman a little
0: bit because (laughs) it's been uh, 18 months since my pregnancy. And, um, you look fabulous. You know, I, you know what's weird? You'll maybe experience this. It's mm-hmm. And I've heard this from other women who have been pregnant. And they're like, you might go back to the scale where you were, but your body's not the same. So your hips are maybe a little wider. Yeah, you're, you have your fat deposits in areas that it didn't before. So maybe my legs are skinnier, but my gut's bigger. I don't know. So I empathize. But I have scheduled a styling session this this January, and I'm like, I'm just going to go for it because I've been living in sweatpants for a little bit too long.
1: Yeah, soft pants can be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> for us, for us um, entrepreneurs, I, the soft pants can uh I don't show up in, on TV
0: wearing sweatpants. <laughs> right, but, that's true. Know, and I'm not wearing sweatpants right now. I'm actually wearing a, a skirt. But um, you know, it's easy to feel not when you don't feel your best, you don't make the effort.
1: Exactly. And I mean, studies show that when you when you wear things your your image and your wardrobe impacts not only your perception how other people's how other people perceive you but also your performance and your pay. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, yeah. So
0: let's just, let's just <laughs> dig into that a little bit. What are the correlations?
1: Because I guess you're
0: right. You don't ask for you don't you don't feel the confidence to negotiate, which impacts your pay.
1: Right. So there are some studies that show that women who have a professional dress. Have um, are more likely to have higher income. Women who wear makeup are thirty percent have a thirty percent higher income than women what? who do not. Well, I'm
0: sure that could also backfire. <laughs> too much, exactly. Too, now, much, too, perfume, much, perfume, is, too much makeup. Too yeah. much. Yes. <laughs> Does it <laughs> bother mean, you, you? <laughs> Kylie? Men don't have to worry about this crap. I know.
1: What I the F? Oh, I know. It's so frustrating, but it is what it is. So we just need to do what we can with, <laughs> with you know, how the culture is and what we have. Yeah.
0: So was there was a third thing you wanted to talk about or, or did we already go into it?
1: Yes. One thing, another challenge that I see a lot of people or a mistake that I see a lot of people making is not putting enough emphasis into their digital presence. And particularly for people in business, that means LinkedIn. So they'll say, well, you know what? I don't really like the pictures that I take, so I'm not going to put a picture up. Or I only have one professional photo and it was taken 16 years ago, but I'm going to use that. Or I think I look really cute in this picture. And even though I'm leaning in and I cropped it out, I'm going to use that as my my LinkedIn photo. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you only get 40 milliseconds to make a first impression. 40 milliseconds. Yes. So when someone, you may be, you know, being considered for a position that a recruiter came across your page, you may not even know you're being considered, but that door is closed before you even knew it was open because of how you presented yourself on your LinkedIn profile. Yikes.
0: So Power Presence Toolkit is your latest and greatest, and it's walking through four steps to create a stronger personal brand. I love it. What's been what have you learned through this process that you didn't know before? You didn't realize before? Because I'm sure you come to this with a with a set ex, set of expectations and you know what your advice is going to be, but then you learn <laughs> maybe there's yes. a few things that you should be reiterating or that you discover is a need that people need to know about.
1: Sure. A couple of things come to mind. One is what I talked about earlier, which is the the role of confidence and how much it impacts women in business and women in leadership, particularly. Another study that I came across was with 60,000 executives. and Within this study, they showed that women outranked uh, men, women leaders, women executives, female executives outranked men on almost every criterion except for confidence. Mm-hmm. So this is impacting women's ability to. To climb in their careers. Another thing was this area around how your dress impacts your performance, which I think is so fascinating. There have been a couple of studies out there, including one at Northwestern University, which is, they call it the white lab coat study, and it was back in 2012. And basically, they found that in one uh, experiment, they had two groups. One group had to wear white lab coats, and another one had to wear their plain clothes or their street clothes, whatever they showed up in, and they found that those who wore the white lab coat performed 50% better than those who wore their street clothes. Wow. Yes. And they did this again, this time with three groups, one group with the white lab coats, another group that had white coats that were the same white coats, but they were told it was, they were, Painter's coats. And the third group was, um, had their plain clothes on, but they had to look at a, a white lab coat before taking in the test. And again, those who wore the white lab coats performed better than the other two groups. So that was just so fascinating to mm. me. And it really helped me even further. It just helped further reinforce what I had already felt and seen in my work with my clients that your wardrobe absolutely impacts how well you do in your job.
0: Time for a quick break to put the spotlight on one of our sponsors today, Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500. And that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit Wealthfront.com. Demonstrating confidence, Kylie, at work or, or anywhere, sometimes I feel it, it doesn't work the same for women as it does for men. And that's unfortunate because... Yeah. Sometimes you get characterized, mischaracterized as someone who is difficult to work with or the B word. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you reconcile that? So we want women to be more confident. How do you exercise that? You can't do it like a guy because right. it it doesn't bode well for you. So what are the what what is the recipe for displaying confidence in such a way that wins for you and wins for everybody?
1: I think one thing, one advantage that we do have as women is that we are by nature, many of us, not all of us, but many of us by nature are very empathetic. And I think by having that empathy and not losing that empathetic nature that many of us have, we can still be confident, but that confident does not translate to cockiness or to aggressiveness by other people because we, we can be powerful but our power our power doesn't mean having being power having power over people, whereas unfortunately, for a lot of men, there is this this um, ego component that comes in that may make them thrive around having power over people. so I think the more emotional intelligence a female leader has, the more empathy they have for their employees, their teams, then the more respected they'll be as a confident leader who can make decisions and should be followed and, you know, has that trust, but also isn't trying to get over on over people, you know,
0: this what you say. I totally agree with. And there's a great book out there called The Athena Doctrine.
1: Ooh, I haven't read that one. Written by two men.
0: And okay. basically
1: looks at globally
0: examples of how female leadership is is a winning formula for politics, for industry, for business, for um, households to thrive, that we need to, and they outlaw, they kind of, they divide the book, I think, based on Kind of some of these traits that you talk about—empathy and communication and multitasking—and all the things that are generally inherent to women that we need to really uh, appreciate—and and they show clear examples of how when that is used, when that is exercised, everybody Ooh. wins. So that's encouraging. So Athena Doctrine is something that I actually read a little bit to prepare for my book. When she makes more, it's it's, it's very empowering, and I'll, everyone should read it. So. I'll definitely um, check that out. All right, let's talk a little bit about money and Kylie.
1: Okay, okay. This is a money. <laughs> sh- this is
0: the So Money Show. That's right. In case anyone forgot, um, what's your money mantra?
1: My money mantra. You know, I don't know if I have an actual mantra, but I like three things come to mind. One, when you're doing something that you're gifted to do, it won't feel like work, <laughs> and the money will come two if you are not showing your best self you're leaving money on the table i just talked about how you know if, if you're not doing the right things you may not be getting the income that you should and then three women need to ask we don't negotiate enough and you know this very well yes so we we need to ask
0: and of course how you ask there's a science to that too. There's an art right. to that, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. We and if and we're not going to get into it because it's a whole show. And We listen to Leah Goldman's episode, folks. She's, I heard it. Yeah. Executive yes. editor Marie Claire and um, I've written about this, and Barbara Stanny talks about this in her podcast. So I encourage you to go through those archives and um, and read it. So tell me now, a money memory. Um, growing up, you grew up in Chicago or Atlanta.
1: Up kind of all over, all kind
0: of so, all over because you,
1: yeah. So I, I, I,
0: your family's a little bit all over, so I'm curious to know, Kylie, what was your exposure to money issues as a kid growing up? What's one pivotal memory? What did what happened? What did you experience? And what was the
1: lesson? Um, the the challenge is that their money wasn't talked about very often. Um, however, and you I were curious know,
0: about it, so
1: you know, I. I don't know if I was curious or not. We didn't really want for much. You know, my parents were divorced when I was very young. I was about two and a half. And my my father was always in my life, although he lived in a different state. And my mother went back to school to get her master's degree so that she could have A better life for my brother and me. She had been a a teacher and knew that that salary wasn't going to be enough for what she wanted to provide for us. So I guess that's a part of it. But, but one money memory that does come to mind is that later in life and maybe, I don't know, maybe when I was a teenager. My mother mentioned that when she and my father, uh, got divorced and she was, you know, struggling financially, she sold things like the backs of her 14 karat gold earrings and she, you know, pawned things in order to have some, some more cash so that she could provide for us. So that did show me just the sacrifices that she made. And now that I'm going to be a mother, you know, I I have so much more respect for my mom and the sacrifices she made um, in her career and, you know, throughout our lives to make sure that we had a great life. It's the baby effect, Kylie. The yeah. Baby effect. You, have,
0: you have a kid and suddenly your whole, I have these thoughts like six times a day, which is like, if I lost everything, uh, I think I could get it back together. I, I, I'd have to. Yeah, and I would do whatever. I'd, I, I, hey, I have no shame. I'll go and clean people's houses. I'll go and um, I'll write, you know, commercial songs. I'll <laughs> like <laughs> whatever. I'll, I'll dance. I'll skit. You know, um, I will do whatever it takes because I. And I also feel it the same way. And you'll feel. You probably already feel this way. Is like, you suddenly there is this accountability in. F- facing you that didn't face you before, which is like you're accountable to your kids. Right. You want to be able to provide a future for them that in some ways is better than yours. Right. And not that you want to like spoil them or make life too easy for them, but you want to be able to pass on your wealth. And so how do you do that? How do you protect that? So that's a conversation in your head too that hopefully you're having it with your husband and your financial partner as well and financial advisor as well.
1: (laughs) Already thinking
0: about that. Yeah. Uh, so, failure. I'm sure this comes up a lot when you're coaching your clients. It's a big part of who we are, our experiences, our challenges, our failures. What's a financial failure, Kylie, that you experienced and how did you overcome it?
1: I haven't had any huge financial failures. However, I had some bad decisions. And one was just in college, you know, going to college. And since we didn't talk about money a lot in the household, I I had no idea how much, you know, my both of my parents actually have impeccable credit. And they never really talked to me about credit cards and that you shouldn't get a credit card when you go to college because you don't have a job. (laughs) You know, work study isn't going to pay for it. (laughs) So I got a credit card that I had no business getting and I never racked up a lot of debt. I'm pretty conservative when it comes to spending, but I charge more than I could afford for sure. And that just haunted me (laughs) for, for longer than it needed to.
0: So you graduated with debt. How much debt was there?
1: I mean, definitely under $2,000 um, and that, and I paid it off, maybe even less than that, but it was more than I could afford. <laughs> it yeah. was definitely more than I could
0: afford. It's all relative. Absolutely. Exactly. you have no money, $2,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> okay. Let's talk success, financial success. I, I have to give it to you because you've gone through a lot of transitions in your life and, you know, uh, not having the job starting your business a lot of fluctuation there financially potentially and now you know planning for a family so what was what's to you been your kind of mo- your proudest financial accomplishment to date your so many moment
1: My, I would say my so money moment came actually before I went out on my own. And it was when I was in business school and actually ties to negotiating. I had a couple of offers coming out of business school and I, you know, I kept hearing that women don't negotiate enough. And the offer that I wanted to take was in Dallas and I actually was fine with the salary. The salary was better than I expected. However, I just felt like I should be negotiating. So I called my dad. My dad is a master negotiator. He's the type of person who lives for buying and negotiating a new car. Like he will be in a car on a car lot for like hours trying to like out negotiate (laughs) the, the salespeople on a car lot. It's so funny. But he suggested a list of things, so things like grossing up the signing bonus and getting half of it up front and half of it when I started, a house hunting trip that they'd pay for. Um, At the time, I had a, a property in Atlanta that I was renting out that I wanted to sell, so my dad suggested that I ask them to pay for all of those costs associated with the selling of the house more vacation, um, and a couple of other things. I I can't remember everything. But I I felt like there was absolutely no way that I should ask for all of that. And I knew that if I did, they would just rescind the offer and be like, this this girl is just crazy. (laughs) But I did ask for everything that he suggested, reluctantly, and they gave me everything that I asked for. Everything that I asked Are you for. Serious? Not only, yes, everything. And not only that, they hired someone else at the same time. There were two of us from two different, uh, MBA programs. And the other person who was a guy did not negotiate at all, but they yeah. gave. Yes, and they they gave him everything that I asked for to be fair. So on the first day of work, I'd never met him before, and he was like so appreciative of me for asking for all of that because he got a lot more than he asked for as well. Hmm.
0: I think the tip, one of the tips there, if I've heard it correctly now, is it was the timing too. You knew they wanted you.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: You were about to start. This is when you want to, this is the the sweet moment
1: that you ask for more. That's true. Absolutely. And that's what my father tried to coach me on. Like, you you got the offer. Mm-hmm. They want you. Which
0: sometimes can be a frightening for, I think, people who are not accustomed to asking for raises and negotiating. That could be scary. Like, well, what if they rescind the offer? They're going to think, I... I'm, I'm asking for too much. I'm too greedy. I'm, that, I'm this. I'm that. I'm not. Stop listening to those voices in your
1: head. Right. Let's let you never know. At, let's
0: look at this for what it is, really, which is that they like you right. enough to offer you a job. And negotiation is something that, as an employer, you're not. This is nothing new to you. You know to expect this. Right. Um. It's actually surprising to there was a study that found that negotiate when you don't ask for a, a ne- when you don't negotiate your salary, it's actually unexpected. They expect right. you to come back with something. Exactly. So use that to your advantage. Great, great story. Let's talk about first Oprah, then habits. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't let any guest on this show. Oh my goodness. I don't let any guest on this show who's had a brush with Oprah to not at least (laughs) tell me about everything that happened with that brush. You were on the Oprah show years ago. Mm-hmm. Tell me why, <laughs> briefly. And so as, yep. as 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 comfortably as you want to to make that statement, and then um, now you're 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 reuniting with her, so that's exciting. Tell us a little bit <laughs> about that.
1: So I when I was in business school, I really wanted to intern with Oprah, and I was in Chicago at the time, and wanted to see if she had any internship programs. And that investigation led me to a page called like be on the Oprah show. And there were a few topics listed and I submitted at least two or three. And one of them, of course, the one that they responded to was one about, uh, do you, do you think you might be wearing the wrong size bra? Because eighty percent of women wear the wrong size bra. I and was I, for many
0: years, by the way.
1: Yes, I was too. <laughs> which is why they selected me. And I wrote a letter about my my best friend and me and how we were we were petite women, but somewhat endowed and probably did not wear the right size bra. And apparently Oprah really resonated with the story, or the story resonated with her. And the producers called us and we were um, mortified, but really excited. I mean, this was probably two years maybe before she ended the show and we knew it was coming. So it was like, okay, it's this, this is our chance. Mm-hmm. And, and come to find out, we ended up walking on stage arm in arm with Oprah. Oprah um, spooned me. So I got the second base with Oprah <laughs> and she kind of fondled my best friend. Whoa. And I think my best friend is a little traumatized. And as in a, a good result- way. Yes, yes. The best kind of drama. The best it was kind still, of drama. It was still Oprah, let's be clear. Yeah. We were we were excited. And um as a result of that, we were on Jimmy Kimmel the Jimmy Kimmel, the best week ever on vh one and Talk Soup all showed the clips mm-hmm. and one of them said, This week Oprah turned into Gropra and they <laughs> showed the clip with her and me. And my best friend and another woman, where she did kind of a double hand squeeze, and it was um, <laughs> traumatizing, embarrassing, especially since I was in business school at the time, and all of my classmates saw it. Only and Oprah
0: I- could fondle you like that. I know. And somehow, Only- it, you 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 go back into the real world unscathed, exactly, and actually respected in some ways, <laughs> more respected than you were prior to the groping.
1: Right. And the funny thing is, now I talk to my clients about you know, are you wearing the right size bra? Have you been fitted? Let's go get you fitted. Let's make sure you have the support that you need. But yes, um, I recently was in a clip of the, a, a where are they now show. So <laughs>
0: where are they now? So did Oprah do that interview? Or was it one of her producers?
1: Yeah, it was one of her producers and here, you know, 10 years ago, which is when it, it was first aired there was no YouTube. So, and I, we were very excited and thankful for that, but unfortunately now it's coming back to haunt us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's,
0: it's all good. And I can't wait to see it now. Cause I, I don't know how else I would have gotten to see it. So I'm very excited for this. Let us know when that airs. Yes. <laughs> okay. So now what's your number one unrelated transition, number one financial habit, Kylie.
1: I think it's that I am a great bargain shopper. I mean, shopping is my cardio. I do it for my clients. Shopping is my cardio. It's my cardio. But when it comes to bargain shopping... I am with the best of them. I am confident in my abilities. <laughs> so I very rarely pay full price for anything, especially clothing. I know where to find the best deals on um, on clothes and shoes. Tell and me. A- tell me
0: a little bit about this. Let's spend, um, let's spend well, a little time talking about that.
1: Okay. It depends on okay. what it is.
0: So um, it's January. What's a good time? What's good to buy this this month?
1: Actually... This is the perfect time. We don't, we don't have much time. We really only have a week window where there are tons of sales coming out, out off of Christmas and things are deeply discounted because the stores want to make room for their, their spring merchandise. So now is the time to hit the sales racks, go to those discount stores like Nordstrom Rack and, um, uh, Off Fifth and and Lehman Markets Last Call, th- this is the time where you can get some gems as well as thinking ahead to next year. When you're going to those holiday parties and you need a good formal dress or a cocktail dress, those deals are going to be great right now because they have excess inventory from you know mm. people who didn't purchase the dresses off the rack this year. Awesome. So you can be one step ahead, one step ahead for um, holiday season later this year.
0: Well, I'm going to take notes, and I am. I'm, I live across the street from a Nordstrom Rack, so...
1: Oh, that's so dangerous. If you're looking, if
0: you're looking for me, <laughs> you know where I'll be. Right. I promised listeners that starting in the new year, I was going to ask guests some fresher questions other than my usual go-to. So I want to just ask Uh-oh. you a few things here that... Uh, they can be quick answers, but I think uh, feeding my listeners curiosity, how do you make money, Kylie? Like, what is your greatest revenue stream right now?
1: My two, I would say my, I, my revenue streams are multifaceted. I have three main revenue streams. So, and they're, they're pretty similar, honestly. Uh, One is speaking engagements. Another is through my online program, the Power Presence Toolkit. And the third is individual clients.
0: And what's the revenue stream that you don't have yet that you'd like to grow?
1: You know, I would love to have a TV show.
0: Yeah. Okay. Put it out there. Heard it here first. Okay. I'm going to do my <laughs> dance. I'm going to do my dance. Um, If you lost everything, how would you begin rebuilding your financial life? What's the first thing that you would do?
1: Uh, if I lost everything, oof. I would figure out what I needed to do to generate income. So, whether it was rebuilding, if I had if I felt like I had enough time to rebuild a uh, a new venture, I would do that. If I felt like it would be faster to go back into corporate America for a short period of time to to reestablish myself, you know, wealth-wise, and I would do that.
0: Who are your role models or mentors or influencers right now that are helping you inspire you to get your business to the next level?
1: Hmm. Or your
0: finances <clears throat> or your personal life. You know, I don't it doesn't have to be about business. It just, you know, people that you really admire that you look to to see, okay, what what are they doing and thinking and saying?
1: I have several accountability partners that um that I meet with on a regular basis and one of them is Amanda Miller Littlejohn and she is a personal branding expert and she's really good and she I would say she's a couple steps ahead of me but we have very similar mindset and um and aspirations so it's great for us to help to motivate each other um another person is Todd Herman and I don't know him personally but he is a peak performance expert. And I'm really fascinated right now around this area of peak performance. So I've been listening to a lot of things that he, he does and says, and his approach and methodologies are really exciting to me. Uh, the third person that I recently come up, came across, and you had her on, on your show, was uh, Tara Gentilly. Yes. And I haven't met her personally again, but I really like a lot of her approaches and philosophies to uh, marketing your business and establishing your... Your ventures and businesses, and I, I really appreciate some of the tips that she has. Quiet
0: power strategy, yes, is what she preaches. Yeah, she's fantastic. Okay, some so money fill in the blanks, Kylie. Really quick, uh, you've been so much fun, and I could talk to you for a, lots more hours, but um, you, we have things to do. So right. <laughs> you and I, not just uh, right. and our listeners, have got to go too. Tell me the one. Thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is
1: a cleaning person. Mm-hmm. Don't do it often, but it's nice to have someone mm-hmm. else clean clean the house every so often. I hear that. Likewise, in our <laughs> household,
0: one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is
1: good money management and financial wellness. You know, like I mentioned, my parents had such great financial habits, but they didn't talk to us about them. So, you know, I wish I would have had more insight into the behaviors because I did not learn a lot of those until later in life. Yeah.
0: When I donate, I like to give to blank because?
1: My mother's scholarship because it's, it's a part of her legacy. So Where's my mom, the scholarship? It's at Benedictine University, which is the university where she got her PhD. And it's an annual scholarship that she started about a little bit over 10 years ago. And it's awarded to an African American student from the inner city in city financial need. And since my mom passed away in 2013, my brothers and I are looking to turn it into an endowment so it will live on. Mm. But I also have dreams of starting another scholarship in her honor that's university agnostic.
0: I love that. Your mom is looking down. She's so proud of you.
1: Yeah, she was an amazing woman oh. for sure. Okay.
0: And last but not least, Kylie. I'm so money because
1: I am so money because I inspire women to step into their power and show their best selves to the world.
0: I love it. And listeners, a little uh, cute story about Kylie. So you and I are at Podcast Movement, right? Yes. I introduced you to Erin Smith, who has been on this podcast. And what did Erin tell you?
1: She said something like, "Oh, I love your energy." Yeah,
0: Erin. Erin was blown away, and I am too. And I think I take it for granted sometimes because I, I, we see each other. We have we used to see each other a little bit, and we talk frequently. But it's nice to be reminded, and it's so true. You have a spark and an energy, a presence that is, uh, that is unique, and I love you for it. And it is Thanks. a gift. So Thanks. keep on trekking, keep on shining, keep on doing your. Your thing, your jam, because um, the world needs it. Kylie Carr, thank you you so much.
1: Thank you, Farnoosh, and you inspire me so much, so so much. So keep on doing what you're doing and keep shining on.
0: I'll do it for you, Kylie. (laughs) Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Kylie, her website is Kylie Carr. Now I'm going to spell this for you because it's unique. It's K A I. L E I C A R R dot com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Kylie Carr. K-A-I-L-E-I-C-A-R-R. Of course, if you didn't have a pen or pencil, hop over to somoneypodcast.com. We've got all this information there as well as the links. And you can leave a comment for this podcast episode. You can also download the episode. And really fun, when you're at So Money Podcast, you can connect with me. Click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question for our Friday episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Happy New Year. Great start to the new year. Hope to see you back here tomorrow in the In the meantime, hope your day, so money.